You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this very special edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. We are now recording an occasional special podcast we're calling The Legends of Wealth Tech. This is our fifth Legends of Wealth Tech recording. And as anyone who listens to our podcast knows, we talk about the confluence of human and digital advice from all angles with a real focus on disruptions, thoughtful strategy, and creative paths that serve to advance investors, advisors, and firms. We also like to add a little historical context and perspective to help our listeners understand how and why things have evolved over time. So today we'll have a conversation with someone who has changed our industry for the better over the past 25, 30 years and continues to do so. Edmund Walters was the CEO and founder of eMoney Advisor, going back to when financial planning tools took off as a crucial and critical driver of our industry and helping advisors help their clients make better decisions through using the most up-to-date financial planning, guidance, and technology tools. Edmund continues to innovate, and I'll let him provide the update on what he's up to in just a moment. Edmund, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Nice to see you again. So, Edmund, um, Let's take a walk down memory lane, if we could. Talk about how the idea of eMoney came about and uh, how did you conceive of the idea and tell us a little bit of how you got off the ground. Well, I was a financial advisor uh, of 1983 to almost 2000. It was near the end of the 1990s, and I kept constantly hearing from the high net worth clients that they expected and wanted things from me to provide services that I didn't have opportunity to provide, and they were... They wanted to see their net worth all in one place. They wanted to see how the big picture of all the assets and their portfolios were being affected by the long-term decisions in acquisitions, gifting, all the various things that I was involved with with planning. So I went and looked for those solutions and I couldn't find any. And then when I went to some of the bigger institutions and said, this is something that would be great if you would create, I got pushback. So I decided there's an opportunity that maybe I had to build that myself. And one of the big misconceptions in our industry, believe when they looked at eMoney, was they thought it was just a planning tool when it really wasn't. Yep. It was a way of giving and delivering and servicing your clients with advice. And I couldn't do that unless I had the whole picture. It's like seeing a doctor. I wouldn't just want to see part of something. The client and the doctor need to see everything. Yep. I had to create a holistic view, and that's when I went after the whole concept of aggregation so I could see all the holdings and all the investments. And then if I did that, I might as well have a balance sheet. And if I have the balance sheet, I might as well tie it into their their planning and their cash flow planning and their estate planning. And then if I do that, I might as well update it every night. And that's where money, what it was all about. But the battleground I was after was to give that holistic, transparent view to my customer and to allow them that peace of mind that I wasn't collecting a fee because I was a fee planner for today's plan. It was for our forever plan. And then I also wanted to present myself that I was there for the whole family, not just for the person I was calling on, whether it was the wife or the husband. And I wanted to have the whole family as my client. And in doing that, they needed to know I was in lockstep for a long period of time looking out for their needs and their concerns. So that was the experience. I was always trying to create the experience. The other day I saw one of my old colleagues who's still at eMoney, and he was telling me that they're concerned now about planning being a commodity and how a lot of it's going to be given away. And 
And I said, my God, it's been so many years and they still don't know what they bought. I mean, <laughs> they bought the experience of what happens in that foxhole with the client and the advisor and how they're working together and how the advice is more important than ever. That is not a giveaway. That is it. That's the it, right? So yeah, yeah. I would never have given up my planning career for a calculator. Yeah. That's just math. I was trying to change the way that the advice was going to be delivered yeah. and how long it would be and how closely it would be delivered and what kind of experience. And to me, it's all about experience. If you go back to the 1990s, everyone back then was, you put a dot-com on the end, you could be a millionaire right away. And they believed that planning was going to be done by calculators talking or computers talking to clients about their and giving advice to their plan. Yeah. That's when I went the opposite way. And I said, no, the advisor is crucial. And he's the catalyst in the relationship. And also the person that keeps you from making bad decisions. And in bad markets, they're underpaid. And in good markets, they may be perceived as overpaid. But they're crucial in the relationship. They just need better tools to demonstrate their value they bring to bear. And we need to create an experience that's interactive. So one of the things, as I recall, if you put a date to all this, when when you answer the question, just give people a sense, because this was 2000. In my recollection, you were the first to really capture all this. And that is that in dealing with the client, I just remember a series of innovations, and I'd love to have you comment on that, things like the vault and all the you did around aggregation. Talk a little bit about how that all got started. You started to add piece by piece, innovation by innovation, but it was all around a holistic view of the client, not the yeah. buzzword holistic, but like for real holistic, like the real situation. So talk a little bit about how that came about. You've described a little bit here, but so how did you sort of, did, was it all a function of how you had then had the conversation with each client and they needed to know more and you needed to know more to provide better advice? I'm talking about that, that evolution. When I started as a planner, I started with a company called Kessel Tiffany and we were charging fees back in 80, 1983. And we did the whole plan. We didn't do just like retirement planning or just the portfolio planning or estate planning. We did the whole plan. And in order to do that, we had to gather every single piece of information and we did it the hard way. We we had to get copies of all the statements and we had to yeah. add reams and reams of paper to create what we call a data, right? And there were enormous data. Then we went back and had it confirmed all the data that we had everything. And then we designed the, the whole plan for the family. Most advisors at the time were not doing that. They were either portfolio people doing the investments or they were insurance guys doing the insurance planning and needs analysis and risk management. We were doing the whole whole thing. Right. And it was that idea that if we had an easy way or an easier way to deliver planning, it would be really advantageous to hold the, the whole industry. And then if we did that updating every night, and that's when we went the idea of having a portal and having a mobile experience too, so the client could see their lives at a glance. So instead of the three ring binders, if you remember back in the early 2000s, people would have a presentation and they'd give you a, yeah, yeah. a leather with a logo of the company and it'd be a three ring binder and they'd break it all out in sections. Yeah. I thought it would be much better to have it where it was electronic and it would be something that I could have update every night. Planners back then, advisors, it would be weeks and weeks and weeks just to gather the data. And then every meeting you had with a client, it would be weeks and weeks to get the updated data, yep. to give the updated plan. And if you're in the high network space, there's multiple advisors and they don't necessarily want to 
play nice with you and give you the copy of their information to review. Sure, sure. So all of that friction was in the way of delivering good advice. So the idea we wanted to cut through is, what's a perfect world look like in advice? And how can I present myself as an advisor with my client to have that experience? Because whoever has that experience is going to be the first phone call because I've got the holistic view. And there's going to be the first phone call because I have objectivity and understanding of all different facets of the plan. So that's really where we're going. When I started the company, I had to raise money to do it. So I cashed out my business, cashed out my 401k, put everything at risk, but it still wasn't enough funds. So I probably saw 20 venture capital firms that got a no from everyone because it was 1999 in the second half of it. And dot-coms are falling out of the sky and no one wanted to get involved in dot-com. So all my funding other than my own came from the clients that were telling me that they wanted that experience. So they put their money up where their mouth was and that helped me with my seed money to create the first version of eMoney. Wow. So they were my original board. So I remember seeing you, I think the first time we met, you gave a presentation in Boston. I'm going to guess it was around 2008. By that point, eMoney was established and well-regarded, well-known. And you started talking about this crazy thing called a vault. Mm-hmm. So one of the innovations that you did, I know for sure, as you just mentioned, is is making electronic on your phone mm-hmm. and or on a computer and moving away from spreadsheets on to what computers can do and phones can do these days. And uh, the vault is a place to capture all this information. And I know there were other innovations, but talk a little bit about sort of that progression of innovation all done through digital means. Ultimately, yeah. So it was about in 2003 that we decided to build a electronic vault, not only to store all the documents, but also the meeting notes between the advisor and the client. But also, we stored uh, audio and video. So the audio idea was to ask your clients about their family history, how they started their business, things like that. Interesting. So they'd have that in perpetuity. And when you start doing that experience with a husband and wife in the room about their family history and and what their dreams are for their kids. It, it evolved to their book lists and, and all the things that were important to them in their lives. And to have that forever. Like I have a recording of my mother, and on her birthday, I would never go to a cemetery. I'd much rather listen to her voice. Interesting. Those things are enormously valuable. So that vault became an incredibly sticky item. And at the end, it was storing their passports and their medical information, their, their med- medicines and prescriptions, everything. So it was... Once again, going back to that comment I made about planning, and this, it's about the experience you're delivering. It's not about the calculators. And that's why it should never be a giveaway. It's really about the way the customer, the client interfaces with that advisor is the battleground, not the calculators. That's really interesting. I've been a fan and a, an observer of what you've done over time and heard about the vault. But of course, everything I heard about regarding the vault was all the technical or the detailed data information, not that experiential yeah. stuff you just described, which is far more powerful. Is talk a little bit about that. Cause that's, I mean, that's what, anytime I do anything that's important in my life, I want to have that experience. I'm assuming they, they know how to run numbers and use a calculator. What I really want is someone who has, understands me as a consumer, as me as an investor, or me as someone who's trying to plan multi-generational wealth transfer, all that kind of stuff. When I was young, I always had older men as mentors. And one of the older men used to tell me all the time, he says, after you meet someone or you have a relationship, whether it's in business or anything with someone, they're not going to remember anything you said. 
but they are going to remember how you made them feel. Yes. So I really looked at, and financial planning is that experience is how I'm going to make you feel. I'm going to let you understand and I'm going to let you see that I have your best interest at heart and we're going to do this together. I'm not going to have a paper presentation, a lecture to you about what you should do. And then if you don't do it, make you feel poorly, or if you do it, I bullied you. Whereas I wanted planning to be this interactive experience that we together design this plan, me as your advisor and the expert, but you to, it's your plan. And if it's not your plan, if that experience isn't real, that it's we did it together, you're probably not going to stick the plan. Yes. If it's your plan, you're probably going to stick the plan. Yeah. So that was the battleground. I got to get you away from being lectured to and it's presentation and it's about numbers and here are three choices. You'll pick the one in the middle and all that BS our industry was doing. Sure. And everything was so product driven. It was all about you kept your corner office if you wrote enough business. Yep. I want to be the best damn advisor in the space and I want to have the best client experience in the space and I will have more referrals than I can handle. Yep. Yep. Because there's a lot of people dying to have someone they can trust that they can participate in those decisions. Especially in the high net worth space, they don't want to be told what to do. They're decision makers. You know, this is their lives and they want to participate in those decisions. Mm -hmm. They just want to make sure they're getting the best options available. And that's why even with our calculators we built, version one, which Fidelity had at the end with Fidelity was this is the way to do it. I'm giving you some options. Where I'm going now is I'm trying to make it so interactive that the client can start making modifications and changes and, and play with me in designing their future. And they have to. The more emphasizing up, if they believe they were part of the design, yeah, yeah. they will stick to their plan. If they think this is the plan that I gave them or this is the one they should have, they won't stick to it. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what you're doing now. I uh, know you're doing what I would call more sophisticated, more advanced kind of planning. I'm wondering if that isn't just code for a deeper level of connection to the client, but to explain what you're doing, it sounds, I mean, it's fundamental to how you operate is how do you get closer to the client, understand their real issues and concerns, but it also sounds like you're working with clients with more complex, sophisticated, challenging situations. Tell us about that. Right after I, I sold to Fidelity, I had a three-year non-compete. And then at the very end of that non-compete, Judd Bergman reached out to me and said he'd like to get involved in advanced estate planning and some other advanced cash flows and things like that. But I'd be interested, and I love Judd. Judd and I were good friends. And then we got together in Florida with Bill, Bill Crager. And then we said, you know, we, we can do this. So I started doing the advanced estate planning tool with them. And at that time, they reached out to Money Guide. And then since then, I've sold it to Money Guide. So Money Guide has that advanced planning tool, and they're calling the studios. But all those tools, I wanted to get to that next generation, which is the first generation was, here's your presentation. I designed it last few days. Here it is. It's on paper. You should do this. The generation we had at eMoney was, here's the plan we should have. And while we're in the room together, leveraging the technologies, I can make modifications and changes and show you what you should have. This generation is, here's all your data. This is how it currently is going to work. You've got the ability to make changes on your end with me or without me. Let's start playing with this thing and let's see if we can mm -hmm. paint together the ultimate picture of your future. What does that look like? I hear what you're saying, but what, what is that experience like? Well, imagine I give you a, uh, a 30, 40 year forecast and now you're in the room with me and whether you want to type it or I type it, you would say, you know what? My wife and I are talking about in five years, we're going to buy a house at the shore and we just ended that expense. 
And right as you're entering the expense, all the numbers are calculating themselves and redoing your long-term forecast. And it's right on the screen. Mm -hmm. And then your wife turns around and says, you know what? We've got my son and and, and we got to give him 20000 a year for the next 10 years because he's back in graduate school or whatever. And you can do that right on the screen. They could do it on the screen. I could do it on the screen. Mm -hmm. And now they're designing too. So imagine first generation I designed and it's on paper. And if we're going to make changes, you got to give me a week. I got to go back and make the changes to e-money. We had it. I can make some modifications for you right on the screen. Now they're participating. Yeah. So it's taking the experience, another, another phase of interactivity and, and the speed is phenomenally good because technology is every two or three years, you know, it gets so much better. Yep. And it's easier to use. And the graphics are spectacular nowadays. So, it's all about that experience. It's all about, it needs to be their plan. Mm-hmm. And what are you calling the offering? Well, they call it uh, Well Studios. Okay. And then Income Studios. The Income Studios I love. I mean, that's better than the Well Studios. Well Studios is really good, but like I said, it's 30, 40 year cash flow planning. It's, it's good. It's attractive. It's fun. But the 12 month studio is imagine taking every one of your investment holdings. And I got this idea from Judd actually. They built a tool, and I couldn't find the damn tool. He told me about it, and I told him I need a Sherpa or a German Shepherd to find the damn thing inside their their software, but I found it. And what he had was he, he could show you out for 12 months what, what your income is going to look like from every one of your portfolios, the interest and dividends month to month to month, all the way through. I said, that is so cool, but you, you didn't do anything about my other income sources like board income or real estate income, things like that. So I said, if I add that, and we put in your portfolio income like you have, Judd. I can show you for the next 12 months where your checks are going to come from if you quit today. So we're thinking about all the baby boomers and we're all leaving. And the workforce, first thing a spouse has to say to you is, you're not going to get a salary anymore. Where is this? How are we going to pay our bills? Well, with one click, I can show you month to month all the interest and dividends from every one of your portfolios before and after tax. And I can say, here it is. And by the way, when you levelize it all the way out, it'll show you what surplus we have to give to the kids or give to charity or to reinvest. And it's all on one screen. And then with a simple toggle, I can change the amount of income I need or, or expenses or I can add expenses. So it's an interactive experience to truly understand what my new paycheck is going to look like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which could be five paychecks and five portfolios, but it adds up to one portfolio. And it simplifies things. And I love that. That's a great tool. Then we built a new portal. So that comes out this fall for InvestNet. They, they had client portals that were they were pretty good. But I said, you know, if you're going to come out with a client portal, you don't come out with something good. You come out with blow the industry away good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it can't be an e-money wannabe. You got to be better than e-money by far. And that comes out in October, November. Right. We built that right here. And it's pretty cool. I'm on it now, and I'm, I've been testing it. It's really cool. Then there's a uh, retirement tool we're building for them by taking some of the retirement assets they have. InvestNet. Them, you're saying you're referring to InvestNet. Yep. So I still have a bunch of engineers and UI, UX, and, and uh, product managers. And we did some work for Money Guy. We did some, we're doing a lot of work for InvestNet. I'm not sure how long that work will go for. If they have more projects, I'll do more projects. If not, we'll do projects for other people. But we're also doing a uh, trust and estates tool for a company called Transcendent, and that'll be finished in October. We're doing a high net worth portfolio design tool that we're doing that for the high net worth group at 
invest that. We've been showing that to, you know, RBC and other companies because everything I build, I don't build because of the large company telling me what they want. I would never build that way. Mm -hmm. I build and I say, that's what you want. I understand. But then I go to the field. I go to the advisors. Then I even go to high network clients and say, is this what you would use and this is what you want? Because I think the the reason there's so many failures of technologies in our industry is home offices build it for what home offices want <laughs> or for what corporate people tell them they should do. Yep. And that's doomed. And they all forget about who's in the foxhole. Yep. Right. So I still do fly-ins with advisors. I still stay connected with the top advisors. And to me, there's no greater source for business intelligence than the people that are actually in the field. And I even give them designs to share with their clients and say, hey, it's good or it's not good. And and then I have to keep thick skin because a lot of times they come back and say, you've lost your mind. And then we, we modify it and change it. <laughs> so, Edmund, as you look back on what's really been an incredible career, what are you most uh, proud about what, in terms of what you've accomplished? I'd say that number one thing I'm happy about is that I have been a big part with all my people as well as the input from the reps of changing the way advice is going to be delivered interactively and face-to-face and not like it used to be in the Mm -hmm. room where we turn the lights off and put the acetates on top of a projector and looked up at the screen together and you never even saw your client's eyes. I mean, that was just so wrong. I think that was good. I think the other part was, I think I must have trained 50,000 advisors in holistic planning versus package planning. Mm -hmm. So a lot of advisors we had were just insurance guys that we made into more well-rounded planners or investment people that we got to understand the other side of the aisle. And that was fun too. But I think the most thing I'm proud of is how many of the people that were with me at eMoney as, and are so successful now at other companies. So mm-hmm. they were just kids when I hired them. And I think that was the secret of eMoney is I didn't have, I didn't hire a bunch of people out of the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. I hired regular young, hungry people and probably put them in positions they shouldn't have been in. But they all succeeded and they all did really, really well. And I would say we were more the first-generation college graduates that worked our asses off and succeeded than the Ivy League guys. I mean, in fact, I wouldn't even hire Ivy League guys. That was one of the downsides of what people said about me. But I always thought they were too important to be competent. So I wanted the people that would actually work those extra hours and sure. refuse to fail. I've always bet on those guys. So Edmund, as we uh, as we look to wrap up, it's been a real pleasure to get caught up with you. Excited about the work you're doing now, and of course the work you've done years gone by. This is my favorite time for uh, the question around: What do you do outside of work that uh, you're particularly passionate about or excited about that people might find interesting or surprising? They may find it surprising, but it's not when you talk to a bunch of entrepreneurs. I probably read 50 to 60 books a year. Wow. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. But if you're not learning every day, you're not in the game. Yeah. And and I, part of learning is not just your industry. In fact, I'd encourage you to read outside your industry. Yeah. So things we even did at eMoney, like the videos, I stole that from the pharmaceutical business. Yeah. I looked at that and said, those drugs are helping those doctors place those drugs. We need to create content videos with professional actors to help the advisor message what the solutions are and not product, but solutions like services and and making sure you have estate plans and things like that. So 
I took that from other industries. And I think from reading constantly and studying outside your space and applying successes of other industries to your space is, is enormously valuable. And I drink it all up. I just can't. I, I probably do closer to 80 books than 60. But everybody I talk to that's also started a business, they're the same thing. They're avid readers. And yep. some are magazines and newspapers, but they just, they're constantly trying to get better. That's great. Well, thank you, Edmund. This has been a real pleasure to take a trip down memory lane and talk about uh, how it all got started and how you uh, made it happen over, over many years and continue to do so now. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck, the special edition of Legends of Wealth Tech. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Edmund, thanks again. This has been a real, real pleasure. Thanks, Tech. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.